This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion such as a gay bestie. Welcome to How Bitches Are Made, the podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Melvin. Thanks for joining us, guys. If this is your first listen, be sure to check out our introductory mini-sode, which gives you a brief overview of this podcast and introduces you to the cycle of how a bitch is made. If you're a returning listener, welcome back, bitch. Let's continue on our journey, shall we? With this week's story. The following is a true story, as sad as that is for me to admit. Names have been changed to protect both the innocent and the anything but. Chapter five, breaking ground and the glass ceiling. Since I first saw him on television back in 2006, I'd had a crush on Von Viaro. When I got to work with him a few years ago, my crush turned into something far more real and serious. But in a classic case of right place, wrong time, multiple times, things remained only ever friendly between us. Which is why I had decided that if I couldn't marry the man I wanted, I would make it my New Year's resolution to become the man I wanted to marry instead. When my birthday rolled around in February, I chose to spend it in the high desert of California with a few of my close friends. As a way to occupy ourselves during the last leg of the drive, I asked my friend Lillian sitting shotgun to look into some real estate in the area. I had been aching for my own home, and not just because my ex and I had been living as exes for nearly two years in a mid-city apartment without air, or because I was sick of having to endure another insulting conversation with my landlord, implying I didn't know how to operate a garbage disposal. It was mostly because I wanted to shake the feeling of unvalidated failure. It's a strange thing to endure mild success in my business while simultaneously feeling you have nothing to show for it, in terms of hitting the traditional milestones in life anyway. In the wake of my peers' engagement parties, bridal showers, weddings, and baby showers, I too wanted something personal to celebrate and get gifts for. Aside from feeling like Carrie Bradshaw in A Woman's Right to Shoes, what I wanted more than anything was an asset a way to prove to myself I had accomplished something and that I didn't need to be married to feel like it. After all, if a bachelor could have it all on his own, why couldn't I? My mouth dropped when Lillian informed me of the pricing. It was as if no one told this part of the state how much houses were going for in the rest of the country, let alone the rest of California. Although I realize now it was I who had been unaware, living in the stupor of SoCal culture shock for too long. I knew that if I wanted to make my dream a reality, I needed to act fast. So, quicker than a love-struck lesbian, I committed. Just four weeks later, there I stood with my realtor in a single-family dwelling I could officially call my own. Immediately, I began treating my life like an episode of Fixer Upper. 
My place was going to serve as an artistic getaway, a spiritual retreat, a quick escape for all my friends looking to decompress during pilot season, and the perfect place to spend holidays with my family. It was for that last reason in particular, I opted to begin my renovations in the kitchen. Little did I know what a nightmare that would become. While I had originally envisioned the La Cornu oven and range I first saw at Williams-Sonoma, I decided to spend half the amount on a still ridiculously priced dual oven six burner range by Thor. The first time I went to buy the oven, my credit card was flagged for fraud and the order was never placed. The second time I tried to buy it, I used the wrong billing zip code and once again, the order was never placed. The third time I tried to buy it, the order was inexplicably canceled and lost, therefore never placed. Now, I've been told that the best way to avoid conflict and stave off struggle is to listen to the universe when it's trying to tell you something. Unfortunately, my universe as an Aquarian is ruled by Uranus, so this often falls on deaf ears. Consequently, I persisted, and by my fourth and final attempt, the universe decided it was finally time to fuck me. Let's quickly breeze through the facts you need to know in order to understand my frustration with this story. Fact number one, a Thor oven is not considered a major appliance. Why this is important is because while I bought the oven through Home Depot, it's actually sold through a third party. Ergo, it's also delivered by a third party carrier who is only required to quote, leave it by my front door, end quote, as opposed to bringing it inside and installing it. Fact number two, the unit weighs 600 pounds arrives in a wooden crate like the leg lamp from A Christmas Story, and is delivered by a single man with a semi-truck lift and a crank dolly. I'm a single lady with a two-wheeler who weighs approximately one-sixth of the unit, so I pepper on a little flirt and convince my delivery man to help bring it inside. After he leaves and my attempts to open the crate by myself with a crowbar fail, I curse my jeans, pack up my pride, and resign to the fact I'll have to recruit my nearest muscle for help. Fact number three. As I'm sure you know, ovens are either electric or gas, and in some really fun instances like mine, they need to be converted to liquid propane. According to David, my Home Depot associate, the Home Depot repair hotline can provide the conversion kit and perform the conversion for me. All I need to do is call the number on the card he gives me at the time of purchase. The first time. Fact number four. The Home Depot repair hotline informs me that David is ill-advised. They do not sell the parts I need, nor do they offer conversions. I'm then instructed to call either an appliance company or a licensed plumber instead. Fact number five. None of the local appliance companies will touch what's not considered a major appliance, nor are they willing to touch a unit that large, unlike me, who tends to seek out the largest units possible. They defer me to a plumber. Fact number six. No plumbers will perform a conversion either. It's not worth their time, especially on a unit that large. Once again, the complete opposite philosophy of my own. Fact number seven. Appliances cannot be returned to the Home Depot once removed from their original packaging. So I suffer a minor breakdown and call my father for help. Fact number eight. My dad convinces a plumber to come out, pending of course, I provide the conversion parts and pay them under the table. I am desperate, scared, alone, and backed into a corner. So, of course, I agree. It takes him two days and costs me an additional $680. Fact number nine. Two days after the plumber sets up my range, the igniter on the main oven breaks. 
With the product under warranty, I call the manufacturer for assistance. But apparently, I live outside of the service area, and finding a technician who will agree to come to my desert island is next to impossible. It takes them two weeks to find someone. Fact number 10. The day before this technician arrives, a burner nearly explodes into flame, practically singeing my arm hair. Once he fixes the igniter, I inform him of this problem and he looks into the situation, ultimately telling me the wiring underneath the burner has melted and that he will need to make another trip out to repair it. Fact number 11. Two weeks and four phone calls later, I still have not heard back from either him or the manufacturer. By this point, another burner explodes, and I start to suspect that soon enough, so will I. Fact number 12. No one will or can service a Thor oven. Not even Thor themselves. And I suspect neither Thor himself. I call Home Depot and insist they allow me to return the defective product, despite the fact it's no longer in its leg lamp crate. They agree, and I'm instructed a different third-party carrier will contact me in two to three business days to pick it up. I sat there, proud of my efforts, thinking the worst was behind me. Little did I know, the universe wasn't wearing a rubber. Three business and two courtesy days later, crickets. I reached out to Home Depot for what would be the first of 20 plus times. Thank you for calling the Home Depot. My name is Sharon, and who do I have the pleasure of speaking with today? Hi, Sharon. My name is Rachel. Hi, Miss Rachel. How can I help you today? I'm trying to return an oven that's defective, and the carrier that's supposed to come get it still hasn't contacted me with a pickup date. I am so sorry about that. Let's try and find out what's going on. Can I have the order number? Sure. It's WA5738495867. Okay. Is... Is this for the Thor 48-inch range? Yes. My apologies that no one from nonstop has contacted you yet, Rachel. May I place you in a brief hold while I try to contact them and see what's going on? Sure. What's smarter than saving money? Saving time. 45 minutes later, Sharon returned to the line. I am so sorry, Rachel. The carrier is a little backed up with the Memorial Day holiday, but they are aware you're waiting for their call. So go ahead and give them another two to three business days to reach out. And if you want, you can always return the unit to any of our Home Depot stores, which I might consider because I see here you only have 14 more days before your return window expires. Yeah, I, I would if I could. It's just I have a Mustang and the oven weighs almost as much as it. Oh, I see. Then uh, just go ahead and wait for our carrier to reach out. If you don't hear from them in another two to three business days, go ahead and give us a call back. Three days later... The crickets were back. Thank you for calling the Home Depot. My name is Tracy. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with today? Hi, Tracy. My name is Rachel. Hi, Miss Rachel. How can I help you today? I am trying to return an oven that's defective, and the carrier that's supposed to come and get it still hasn't contacted me with a pickup date. I'm so sorry about that. Can I have the order number? Sure. It's WA5738495867. Okay, and may I place you on a brief hold while I try to contact the carrier to see what's going on? Sure. What's smarter than saving money? Saving time. And just like that, I found myself in the hell of my own personal Groundhog Day. Every two to three days, I'd generate the same transcript until it became clear. Home Depot was trying to run out the clock like a winning basketball team. I knew it would continue until I could no longer get my money back. And with Memorial Day sales threatening to also expire before I had the room in my house to order a replacement, I became so heated, meals could have been cooked in me. So I decided to turn up the heat. 
officially leaving the doormat stage of the bitch cycle. Thank you for calling the Home Depot. My name is Jeremy. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with today? My name is Rachel. My order number is WA57384956. The billing zip code is and I'd like to speak with a supervisor. Oh wow, this is for the 48-inch oven range by Thor. What a beautiful piece of equipment. Yeah, would be if it worked. I do see I have a return in process. Let me go ahead and transfer you to my supervisor. Is it okay if I put you on hold for a brief moment? Fine. What's smarter than saving money? Saving time. The supervisor came on the line 20 minutes later, assuring me he'd personally see to it I had a pickup date scheduled within the next 24 hours. I'm not sure why I believed him when he said he'd follow up with me himself the next day. He never did, of course. By the end of tomorrow, I was officially tired of eating the endless bullshit everyone had been spoon-feeding me. Thank you for calling the Home Depot. My name is Donna. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with today? Rachel, my order number is WA57384956. The billing zip code is... I'd like to speak with a supervisor, and yes, you can put me on hold. What's smarter than saving money? Saving time. 45 minutes later, I was dealing with a supervisor named Tom. I understand you're frustrated. I don't think you do, Tom. I have been dealing with this piece of shit for the last four months. Four months! I haven't been able to cook in my house. I have lost money in groceries and having to eat out. I've spent hours on the phone with you people every single day for the last two and a half weeks when I should have been working. And now I can't even take advantage of the Memorial Day sale because you guys are taking advantage of me. What can I do to make you happy? I want $500 off of a new oven and a $500 gift card for all the time and energy that I've wasted on this. I need to be compensated for my time. I just, I want this thing out of my house and out of my life. Two to three business days later, I at least had $1,000 worth of gift cards in my email. To avoid making an already lengthy story even longer, I'll simply tell you that in the end, I had to demand another $300 gift card from Home Depot to cover the cost of the moving company I ultimately had to hire to return the oven to a store. And in what I'm sure was an effort to never have to hear from me again, especially after I accused them of holding my money hostage, they released my funds and sent an additional e-card of $350 along with it. Finally, it was over. The four-month saga had concluded. I was proud of myself. I had articulated what I wanted, asked for what I felt I deserved, stuck to my guns, and got it. It was immediate and victorious proof of how bitches are made. Although, I'd be lying if I said it didn't still bother me that I had to get stern with anyone in order to get things accomplished in the first place. At least for now, though. I'd reached a point in my life where I knew how to handle things without feeling ashamed or having to apologize for it afterward. With my lesson learned, I called an appliance company to confirm that they could install the new oven I was looking to buy. Then, I used my gift cards to purchase it, even having enough left over for some light fixtures, a faucet, and the literal kitchen sink. It was the hardest I'd ever had to mentally and emotionally work for my money, which is saying a lot since that's literally how I earn my money. Though it felt great to win the battle, my war was still far from over. I just didn't know it yet. All you really need to know now is that there was another delayed delivery, another failed install, and another six hours lost before I once again found myself back inside the Home Depot phone loop. And speaking of loops, by now, I was ready to tie one on the end of the rope with which I found myself. 
I hadn't been able to leave my house all day for fear of missing another repairman, and after this six-hour saga, I was battling an intense level of hanger. After 30 minutes, I forfeited and sent the technician home. Almost as soon as he left, I grabbed my purse and threw myself into my car. I was going to Home Depot. I wasn't sure what I planned on doing once I got there, but I figured maybe once people saw my face, it might humanize the situation, enough at least to generate a little compassion, and hopefully some results as well. I stopped at a steak and shake for some sustenance on the way, and as I sat there in the drive through line waiting for my food and still waiting on hold with Home Depot, my body began to shake uncontrollably. I felt like I'd been beating my head against the wall for nearly four and a half months without reprieve. I'd been doing everything on my own. I tried every tactic. Nice, patient, direct, stern, persistent. Nothing had seemed to work. Then, all of a sudden, I snapped. What's smarter than saving money? Saving time. I wish Don't I could be saving time, motherfuckers. Ordering online is quick and easy. Don't, Don't do shit, And when you do, Home Depot. you get free shipping to your like local Home Depot. Home demo. Face. Hello, ma'am. I was able to get Whirlpool on the line. Do you have the serial number of the unit? Whirlpool? It's a KitchenAid. Why are we talking to Whirlpool? Ma'am, Whirlpool owns KitchenAid. Do you have the serial number of the unit? Jesus. No, I don't. It's back at my house, which I had to leave because you guys were taking so long, and I haven't eaten all day because I still don't have an oven. Unfortunately, ma'am, I can't place a service call for you without that number, so you'll need to call back once you have it. Great. So now I get to sit on hold for another hour the next time I call? Ma'am, we do need the serial number, so yes, you will need to call back when you have it. You guys are useless. Did that woman I hung up on think I was a bitch? Most likely. Did she know what I'd been going through up to that point? No, and I was tired of explaining it. I'm sure it goes without saying that I'm not exactly proud of this part of the story, which also explains why, outside of an attempt to exhaust the fire within itself, my body immediately began generating tears, copious amounts. Nonetheless, I marched into the Home Depot carrying the white steak and shake bag defiantly under my arm and occasionally stuffed a fry in between labored breaths. There I stood, in the same spot I'd left my Thor oven in a few days earlier. Between sobs and chewing bites of chicken, I pleaded for help at the customer service desk from two managers who showed little to no emotion in the presence of my own. I gave them all the details from the storied four months leading up to this precise moment, and when I accidentally spit a piece of chicken across the counter at them as I spoke, they remained steadfastly stoic. I mean, how do you honestly not feel bad for me? We do, I just don't know what to tell you. I can call on your behalf, but I can't set up an appointment for you without that serial number. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure they'll look at it once it's been converted. It's under warranty! But once you convert it, it's considered altered, which voids the warranty. Especially when it isn't done by a licensed plumber. It comes with conversion parts! And plumbers out here won't perform a conversion, so what am I supposed to do? She shrugged. Well, how does everyone else in this town get their ovens? Google it. It took everything in me not to strangle that eavesdropping customer. So, what, I'm, I'm just screwed then? Who do I need to speak with about taking you guys to small claims? I don't know, but once you start talking about legal stuff, we have to walk away and end the conversation. Are you kidding me? No, I'm sorry, but we have to stop talking to you now. 
frustrated that I was once again getting nowhere, I packed up my chicken fingers and walked away from the counter. I felt completely invisible, broken, and helpless, as heavy as my initial oven and even heavier than the entire problem itself as I walked toward the automatic doors and into the 100-degree heat, which felt even hotter thanks to my adrenaline. As I wiped away beads of sweat and tears that had collected on my body, I couldn't help but notice how red and flush my skin had become. This was a level of adulthood I'd never before experienced and had no idea how to fucking manage. After so many years of wishing and wanting to be older, I had never wanted to be a child again so badly in my life. Then, I remembered I still was to someone, so I called home. In less than three hours, my dad was on a plane, and within 24 hours of a mere dick being present, everything was seamlessly and suddenly handled. I don't mean dick figuratively either. I mean my dad did nothing but stand with a penis between his legs over my shoulder, and the same things that I'd been doing on my own were miraculously effective. Though I'd come so far in all of this, I couldn't help but realize the very daunting, very sad truth. While I may have succeeded in becoming the man I wanted to marry, I'm still, and always will be, very much a woman. Welcome to episode five of Habam. You've just heard the story Breaking Ground and the Glass Ceiling. Well, if the epiphany was about me realizing the kind of woman I wanted to be, then this story serves as the moment I realized I was a woman, and that wasn't so great. <laughs> Shit got real. I actually learned many lessons through this experience, but that was definitely the first. It's funny what happens to us in the decade of our 20s versus the decade of our 30s. My guy friends and girlfriends, we have all experienced this really painfully brutal transition of going from your 20s to your 30s. It is a fucking wake-up call, and it blows. So if you're in your 20s, live it up, sister, because (laughs) shit's about to get real, real fucking fast. Um, this was kind of the moment that that awakening hit me. Um, let's start with Von Viaro, shall we? Oh, Von, Von, Von. That is not his real name, of course, but it is a good fake name, isn't it? I like it. I have like the alliteration tendency, I'm realizing. I, I do that with a lot of the fake names I write. But anyway, I digress. So Von Viaro, uh, basically, he's like the bad boy James Dean type movie star, He was someone that I found to be really genuine and honest and super sexy and just on paper the exact kind of guy that I wanted to marry. But the thing that I realize now years later is that what I saw in Vaughn was simply something that I didn't have for myself. What I was really lusting after was this sense of adventure and security and bachelor lifestyle that he had that I actually really coveted for myself. He was kind of like the male version of a bitch in a way, I guess you could say. And what I will say about that is be careful what you fucking wish for because I became Von Viaro, all right. And I got to tell you, it's not a fucking picnic. And I bet you if I could pick his brain or if I had been able to pick his brain before I went down this journey whatsoever... I would have probably not gone down it because I would have realized it looked better from afar than it was actually in real life. 
But that's kind of the thing that happens, right? We build people up in our heads. We romanticize their lives in our own fantasy versus the actuality or reality of it. That's kind of what I talked about briefly in episode one. That happens particularly in romantic situations, but it can also happen with the life that we envision for ourselves as well. We can think that, oh, if only I had this or if only I was doing that, I'd be so much happier. But the reality is you get those things and there are still problems. There's still trials and tribulations that take away from the greatness of it. It doesn't have to, but that tends to happen. It's fantasy versus reality. As I said in the story, I chose to go down this path because I wasn't married and I wasn't pregnant. And because I had neither of those things, I was basically a big fat loser that no one cared about. Or at least that's the narrative I had in my head. (laughs) When it's hard to see your accomplishments, it's exceptionally hard to celebrate them. And I think that sometimes we need tangible evidence to prove to ourselves that all of our hard work, we have something to show for it. And I think in this story, that's really where I was in my life. I didn't feel like I had anything to show for this decade plus of hard work and sacrifice. Really, when when you choose to devote yourself to a career like acting, you sacrifice a lot. You move out to a city where you don't know anybody. You live with strangers. You don't have any friends. You don't have any family. You really don't know what you're doing. You're throwing spaghetti at a refrigerator and hoping it sticks. It's really lonely. And there are certain things you you can't do or at least you're told you can't do. You know, I had business associates who for a very long time told me, like, if I got married, that would be the end of my career, not to mention if I got pregnant. So those were things I put on the back burner and I never did for myself. And that was a huge source of pleasure that I completely shunned in lieu of pursuing this great dream that I had. And as all my friends are embarking on the new chapter of their lives and getting pregnant and having kids and getting married and taking trips... I felt like I was still stuck where I was when I moved out to L.A. at 18, which was just auditioning. So I suppose in a way, I sort of felt a little bit like a failure, which is why I decided to seriously do something for myself that I suspected would make me feel the opposite. But what we fail to recognize is that every decision of ours has a consequence. Even these women and men that have babies, they love their baby, but there is a consequence to having a baby. You don't get to have the life that you had before you had one that you had to prioritize above your own. There are just things that happen. And in my head, I thought buying a house, I would become like Chip and Joanna Gaines. Life would be great. It would be one beautiful HGTV show. No, because guess what? There's a fucking editing room floor where the shit hits the fan that no one ever sees, especially in our Pinterest Instagram perfection society. I also think that on this journey, I was really trying to prove something to myself. I think I was really trying to prove that I could do it all on my own. I didn't need a man. And what I quickly realized was that I absolutely did. Just in physicality alone, there were things my body type couldn't do, like open that fucking wooden crate. Oh, my God. You guys, that was, like, really funny in hindsight. But I was so – I was, like, lying on my kitchen floor. My skin was totally flushed and red. I was so upset. I had never been so angry at my parents for giving me the frame and body type that they did because I physically couldn't do something on my own. And I I just felt so helpless. It was the worst feeling. 
The biggest thing that I want to talk about that I think this story brings up in relevance is the cycle of how a bitch is made. Because the cycle in its full fucking glory is present in this entire story multiple times. The biggest question that comes up is, why do we need to be bitches anyway? Why can't we just get what we want by being nice? Well, because a lot of people mistake kindness for weakness. I fucking hate when people do that. I mean, I do and I don't because I do get I do get a little bit of a secret joy when I get to flip the bitch switch. It's kind of like, all right, now I got incentive to be a bitch. You had the nice version of me and you were mean, so now I'm really going to put you in your place. I do kind of enjoy the uh, power trip that comes with that. I'm not going to lie. So long as you keep it in check, I think it's totally healthy. I did not keep it in check in the story, regrettably. <laughs> at least not in the end anyway, I was triggered. We talked about triggers in episode three and a little bit last week as well. Um, when I really thought about what was going on with me deep, deep below the surface, it was that I felt for the first time in my life true sexism. And I felt I wasn't being taken seriously because I was a woman in a man's environment and a young woman at that. So I had two things going against me where, first of all, I'm 34, but a lot of people think I'm like 25, 26, which I know is so great and lovely. And I'll appreciate that when I'm older. But this story is why I fucking hate it because people look at me like I'm a child who doesn't know her shit. And I fucking know my shit. So they try to give me the runaround and it is so infuriating and insulting and offensive. And that was definitely a wound that was exposed by the end of this story. So now taking into account all the episodes that we've had so far and the lessons that I've bestowed upon you, you can kind of see how the cycle plays out here, right? I was being nice to no avail. So that I was getting fed up with shit and then I was triggered. And then once I was triggered, I started taking things personally and getting offended and lashing out and becoming the bad bitch and reacting emotionally instead of trying to come from a place of poise, collected calm, and getting shit done because I was the shit. You see how I missed that step? <laughs> I just kind of went from step one to two to three. One to two to three. But in all fairness, I guess that can be expected after literally going in circles for four months straight till my dad came out to the rescue, which I don't even know why I'm saying he came to my rescue. He literally did nothing but stand over my shoulder and supervise the plumber. So let's talk a little bit about men versus women. We can learn from each other, but what I have since realized is we should not try to be each other, nor should we think that one is better than the other, because guess what? Yin and yang, motherfuckers. We all need that other half to make up for what we lack. Besides which, there's a unique advantage to being a woman, and there's a unique advantage to being a man, and you should really celebrate what your unique advantage is and revel in that shit. Here's what I learned from men. They ask for what they want without hesitation, judgment, or humility. For the most part, we're stereotyping and generalizing here. They also don't do things that are too difficult. I think that they recognize when something is going to be too much of a conflict and they're like, meh, not worth my time. That is something I do think women could actually borrow from men a little bit. I think a lot of times we try to make things work and we spend a lot of energy and effort trying to make it work when really we should just throw in the towel and walk away because it's not worth it. Which is really what happened with this oven thing when I say the universe really fucked me and it needed to teach me a lesson. Like, 
How many signs did I get that this oven was not the fucking way to go? When things are too hard, we should just make them easier instead of pushing against it more and making it more of a problem. Nowadays, literally, since this happened, if something doesn't go through right away, I go, oh, I'm going to try one more time. If it doesn't go through the second time, it's just not meant to be. And I can't tell you, I'm legitimately a much more happy human fucking being just from that simple adjustment. So reflecting on this experience, there are a few things I want to point out in particular that I learned. Uh, number one, take the time to celebrate your victories, no matter how small. Uh, I was victorious in getting those gift cards. I really did ask for what I felt I deserved, and I got them just by asking, which was really, really nice. That's not something I would have normally done. That was something I learned to do, ask for what I felt I deserved. Um, the other thing I learned, <laughs> the importance of taking care of yourself and listening to the universe Feed yourself, ladies. Hanger is the worst. When your blood sugar gets low, you start doing crazy things. You lose control. Uh, addressing your body language. This was something we talked about in depth last week. I mentioned it in this story this week. My body started to shake. That was also because my blood sugar was low. But um, nonetheless, my body was trying to tell me something, wasn't it? This is another big one that I really like. This I'm going to always reference something my therapist tells me. This was another one. She said it's really important that we don't talk to people like they're our extremities. A lot of times we do that when we're in a relationship with someone for a long time. They become an extension of us and we start treating them the way we treat ourselves. It's not okay. We need to constantly recognize that other people are other people. They are individuals. And just because you can't see them in front of you and they're on the telephone at a call center doesn't mean that they're not individual people with feelings. So we need to be very careful about lashing out on other people and talking to them with the same familiarity as if we were talking to a family member and even more so as if we were talking to ourselves because talking to family members like that isn't okay either. And then another thing that I've been trying to implement is thanking instead of apologizing. When the plumber came out and did it for me for free, I was very uh, not apologetic. I'm so sorry you had to come back out here. And I'm so sorry I was in a bad mood. I'm so sorry I was a bitch. No, just thank you so much for coming out and taking the time to help me. I really appreciate your consideration and doing it for free. It really means a lot. Also, another thing I want to point out about this experience, while I'm really glad that I went on this journey and I did it, I just want to remind everyone that the grass is not always greener. Really, this kind of goes back to the first thing I said, which is take the time to celebrate your victories. Again, wouldn't wish this experience away for anything because it's made me who I am now and I wouldn't have gotten the same lessons in any other circumstance. But just because I didn't have tangible evidence of my success did not mean that I didn't have success. It just means I wasn't looking at it in the right way. Something that I do now is I journal every morning things that I'm grateful for or things that I love. And I go into why I love them because they bring me joy. That innately lends itself to reflecting on the fortunes that you have that likely came from the hard work that you put into something. And just because you don't have a house or a kid or a spouse 
doesn't mean you're a failure or that you're falling behind or that your life isn't as important and fruitful as the next person's. We live in a very comparative society, especially with social media, and I promise you it's never as rosy and beautiful as it looks on the outside as it is in reality. I started the top of this episode out by saying that. If you knew what went into something, you'd think twice about going down that journey. Every decision has a consequence, whether it's good or bad, and those consequences will be good and bad. It just comes with the package. It's a part of life. This week, we talked a little bit about sexism. Next week, we're going to take a look at the mistake many women make without realizing it that I believe is largely responsible for sexism in the first place. Thank you guys for joining us this week, and be sure to check out other episodes of this podcast. Like, subscribe, and share with other bitches you think might like it too. As always, you can stay in the know by visiting howbitchesaremade.com, following us on Instagram and Facebook at howbitchesaremade, and on Twitter at habamtweets. You can also follow me at the Rachel Melvin across all platforms. Please be a part of our community. Share your experiences, thoughts, opinions, questions, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. And until next time, remember, consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin. 